Antetokounmpo. Defended by Thomas. Time winding down. Antetokounmpo on the feint. It's good! At the buzzer! Two second. Middleton. Yes! Chris Middleton! Happy birthday, Jason Kidd. This place is up for grabs. Good work defending around the rim. Just taking up space. Giannis. Yes! Oh, my goodness. I'm with you. So we just gonna go out there and play basketball and win. And win? Yeah. How many games? Six. We're gonna be we're gonna win the six. This is the Cream City Cast. What's up everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Cream City Cast. This is our trade deadline frenzy episode where we're gonna recap everything that happened today with the trade deadline. It is now 3:47 p.m. So Stuff could be coming in still in terms of the buyout market and uh, trade details. Um, So we will get to that to you as soon as possible. But I'm joined by Alexander Juno, editor-in-chief over at Cream City Central. Al, what's up, man? We got turned John Horst. He's a wizard. He's turning rocks into diamonds and any other cliche answer you want to give, he's doing it. It was awesome. I've just been really impressed with him this entire time. Whole day. Whole day, whole, whole day. year, to be honest. Whole year. Since he took over, basically. He, uh, I mean, let's just break it down. You you put it out in your tweet. You said that he turned, what, Thon, Jason Terry? Jason Smith. Jason Smith. Oh, no, I'm thinking about from last year's. Jason Smith, a couple, a couple picks. And whatever they gave up for George Hill, Delhi, and John Henson. So you just yeah. turned a lot of misfit pieces that you struck out on before, and you turned them into really valuable assets when it comes to the playoff time. Exactly. I it it's really not that complicated. They got George Hill and Nikola Mirotic, who are going to be probably their two best bench players, depending on how you view Sterling and DJ, who he also drafted late in each round. So that's our bench. He put it together. He got them all for relatively cheap. We didn't give up any players that we play. Yeah, I thought your your tweet. I mean, your your tweet, your Twitter was on fire today. You had some quality stuff just churning. I told up. you, I told you, forty tweets a day. Most of them were good. <laughs> <laughs> um, you said. I think you said the Raptors trade. Well, the Raptors traded for Marcus Saul, and they traded Delon Wright, Jonas Valanciunas. Uh, a couple second round picks um, kind of as the main and CJ miles kind of as the main framework of the deal. They traded, what do you say? 2000 minutes, yeah, 2000 player minutes, minutes and they, uh, the bucks traded how many 400, 400. So, I mean, yes, everyone, Marcus all is a big, bigger name than Miritich. And I, but I don't know how that's going to work. He's I bigger- don't, He's a bigger name. I'm not sure he's a better NBA player at this point in his career. Yeah. Um, with the way that the playoffs go, being smaller and faster is a very big perk. And he's Miritich is definitely a better three-point shooter. And Gasol does a lot of things. He's a better passer. He's a better rebounder. But I don't know, man. I, I don't know how he fits in a series against the Bucs. I don't know how he fits in a series against the Celtics. 
no, I mean, because you got to start thinking about those lineups that they're going to put out because Abaka, I mean, can you really play those two together? I mean, from like, obviously we'll see how they will play together, but as it stands right now, I just like, I don't with him. I mean, I don't think there's any way you could have all three of those big guys in the same court, Siaka, Abaka, and Gasol. I mean, can those all three co-mingle together? I mean, what do you think? No, I don't think they can. Uh, I I liked their lineups with uh, Ibaka at center. I thought that kind of made sense. I think Ibaka makes sense as sort of a smaller five, but still pretty big. And um, I thought Siakam at center could be interesting. And instead they got bigger. I was sort of worried they'd get somebody like Mike Conley without giving up. They had talked about giving up Kyle Lowry for Mike Conley, and I don't really like that as much. Um yeah, so that's that's sort of how I feel about it. Is I was worried that they would get a player that fit a lot better and scared the Bucks a lot more. And Marcus is really good. I don't want that to be misconstrued, but he's he's not Mike Conley. There's no way you can play Mike Conley off the floor. Yeah, and that's no. really the point. It's true, and we have to start. And the Raptors, by the way, I'll mention this: have ten guys on their roster right now. They need to sign three guys. When when is their deadline to do that? Do you know exactly? I didn't even think about that. It's I, probably it's probably like a couple a day or two, right? I mean, you'd have to imagine. Yeah. Uh, to get up to I, I think there's a day in the season. It might be like you have to have thirteen by March first or something like oh, that. But okay. I, I don't know the specific day. I do think it's later in the season, though. Okay. So the Raptors will obviously be a player in the buyout market as well. Um, as we start to move down kind of the top four Eastern uh, conference teams, as we saw it become an arms race in uh, the whole trade deadline was pretty much kicked off with the 76ers picking up uh, Tobias Harris from the Clippers and what was kind of a telling move by the Clippers, kind of what their intentions are this summer. Um, and the Sixers kind of just put him in a spot where, all right, we're going to put a bunch of, as much talent as we can in our starting lineup and hope everything works around it. And I think we saw the Bucks looking for more of a, a fit situation. Um, so I guess we'll see what one works out. But does Tobias Harris to the 76ers do anything for you in terms of advancing out of that top four to the NBA Finals? I think it makes them better this year. Uh, I think it's really important to note that they gave up probably their fifth and their sixth best player to get their fourth best, their new fourth best player who supplants JJ Redick in that spot. Um, Cause Wilson Chandler and uh, Landry Shamet were giving them good minutes. Um, the worry about Shamet was that he was too small and that he would be played off the court in the playoffs by bigger, stronger guards, which kind of happened to JJ Redick last year. So I guess that would be one of my big concerns. Now, when I look at their team, I have no idea who's going to guard Eric Bledsoe. And that's like, for me, I'm looking at everything from a Bucks perspective. And that's just sort of how I think right now, because the Bucks are amazing. Yeah. Um, no, they are. Yeah. And that's sort of the thing. I don't know if this makes them scarier to the Bucks this year. I think it makes them less scary going forward, which is kind of a key part for me. And then, I was always afraid that Fultz would figure it out. So the fact that he's in Orlando also kind of alleviates that. I thought they would use the picks they got from Orlando like in in the half an hour that they had left till the deadline to get some depth. So we'll see what happens there. Um, 
And I was surprised about when you talk about their depth. I mean, they got Jonathan Simmons in return. I was almost certain we were going to see Terrence Ross coming back on the other side. So that was a bit of a surprise and kind of a letdown, I would say, uh, for, I guess, if you're looking from the Philly perspective. Um, but yeah, we are a Bucks podcast. So in terms of how that affects the Bucks, I mean, I don't know if I think the problem that I have with the Sixers is the Sixers just got better, but less deep and the Bucks just got more deep, but are still the same and better. You know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of, because like they didn't, that, like we talked about earlier, they didn't give up anything to get Miritich. They're literally just adding him in. And obviously Tobias is fantastic, but who knows what he's going to be in Philadelphia alongside those guys. That's a really tough fit. Those are four very And that's what, and that's what they're spending all their money on. Yeah. I would be I would probably be more afraid of them if they had gave up less assets and got Harrison Barnes. Cuz Harrison Barnes can defend more positions and he fits better cuz he never needs the ball in his hands. Um Yeah, I don't know. Like that's and that's what makes it sort of tough for me. Um I'm curious what we're going to see what we're going to see them do with the buyout market. I think people overrate the buyout market. The only guy that I think is really a playoff player that's going to switch teams is Wayne Ellington. Uh, I think Wayne Ellington's pretty good just because of his ability to come off screens and shoot. But like, there's a reason that Wayne Ellington lasted so long in free agency. He's not a good defender. He's a small guy. He has talents. I don't, I don't really know if he should, strike fear into anybody but but that but that's what these teams are looking for at this point that's what these top level teams like milwaukee for example is looking for they're not looking for him to play great defense they're looking to come in when they need shooting and do that and that's what it would be for wayne ellington and pretty much everyone but you know obviously you open up a roster spot you want to create value there as well so you have to take that into consideration but i thought it was telling when we saw you know west matthews go to indiana i think that's more of a setting him up for the future move more than uh you know what's happening today move um so people are gonna have different agendas when it comes to the uh buyout market as well so and you know for one second i just gotta say this the lakers man zubats Moving on from Zubats? Yeah, I kind of like Zubats. That was kind of surprising for me that they would give him up for, was it Mike Muscala? Yep, him and Beasley. Who the Sixers just threw in for... uh, Tobias. Yeah, for Tobias. Yeah, that's... It's weird to me because the Bucs, like, really that's the key takeaway from this is the Bucs gave up a guy who was out of their rotation, had given them some good minutes earlier in the year, to get a guy who's going to upgrade on what they currently have in the rotation. The Sixers and the Raptors gave up guys that are in their current rotation that presented future value to them as well. So I, yeah, it's weird because the Bucks really just added. I don't think they subtracted anything. Maybe you could say Thon raised their defensive upside, their defensive ceiling in the playoffs. Um, but aren't they a good enough defensive team at this point? Like, that team last year wasn't a good enough defensive team to win, so they needed Thon to make some big plays like that. This year, I mean, this defense can – they can shut them down all by themselves. I mean, obviously a, a shot blocker and a rim protector is huge, but Giannis can probably do that. Yeah, I – Giannis can do everything that Thon can do. The worry would be that his load would be too much and – I know some people are still very worried about what Brooke is going to look like in the playoffs because 
Brooks a slower guy, but they've managed to make it work so good in the regular season that I'm not worried about it. But I I think the they have one matchup with the Celtics coming in about two weeks, and I think that'll be... 21st, it's in Milwaukee. Yeah, I think that'll be telling, just to see how they try and guard Horford, assuming he's healthy, because Horford's the one... Yeah, I'll say it. I think Horford's the one guy in the East that I think really scares me because I don't know how the Bucks match up with him. I think they answered the questions about how Kemba Walker and Kyrie Irving can kill them with pull-ups. I think they've made the adjustments for that. I want to see the adjustment on a center who's smaller and quick and can shoot off the dribble. Uh, that's sort of – not a center that can shoot off the dribble. A center that can shoot coming off screens and stuff like that because – that sort of thing that Al Horford can do scares me. His switchability on defense scares me because I think he's the one guy where you'd look at him and be like, yeah, this is a starting center that can chase Brooke around on the perimeter, where I don't think you'd say that about Joel Embiid and Marcus Gasol. Yeah, and you also have to consider about who's going to be in the paint, you know, when Al Horford is out there, you know, who's going to be locking that down as well. Um, in terms of Miritich now, um, he's inserted into this Bucks lineup. Um, obviously, he's like a power forward, but what do you think his what, what kind of lineups do you think that he can be kind of around? I think he can be the second big man next to DJ, next to Giannis, if that's what you need. I think if you want to play a little smaller and have those type of lineups, you can do that. I think he can. Um, a lot of times the Bucks coaches have liked to, I think recently Brogdon's become the first rotation, but in the past it's been Giannis. So if you want to take Giannis out seven minutes into the game and give him his first breather, you can put uh, Miritich in there. He can give you buckets. Like he can just come off the bench and give you a few buckets, um, can spot up, can toss the ball to him, and he can attack closeouts. Uh, he's pretty versatile in terms of what he can do on offense. I don't think there's a lineup that you could put him in where I'd be like, mm, probably not. I think he can play power forward. I, I they'll uh, the lineup that a lot of people like that I'm a little curious about is the uh, big lineup with him, Lopez, and Giannis. I'm not sure how I feel about that because I feel like it wastes a little bit of their abilities to play either of them at small forward. Maybe maybe it works better in reality than it does in my mind. Yeah, I could see it working. Um, I do think, like like you said, they are both really well. Uh, Giannis at the small forward position, and it's better at the power forward, um, those two. So when we talk about how Miritich is going to affect this team come the playoff time, I think that's the biggest part because – now you have added to an already extremely versatile bench where you could mismatch lineups and get the same result. Now you add Miritich in there who pretty much kind of gives you what you kind of thought Ursan was going to give you this year, at least offensively, maybe not like uh, magnitude, maybe as, you know, as Miritich can, because I think Miritich can, I think Miritich is a better scorer than Ilyasova. I think that's pretty yeah. fair to say. I think that's pretty. I don't think anybody's disputing that. Ilyasova gives you some defensive intensity type things. And Miritich, he's not like a great defender, but he's definitely solid on that end. But he's not going to take three charges in a game. He's not no. going to, he's not going to go to the ground. And that's so now, but now you think about it, you have three power forwards that you can kind of move around like other than Giannis obviously you have Ursan 
Nico and DJ, you have three pretty versatile front line guys there that where you can pretty much match up with any team that you go against. And I think that's if you think about it and people say, oh, you know, the Bucks are fourth. If you look on the outside from the talent. But if you look at how they play against teams and how they defend teams, Budenholzer's outsmarting a lot of these guys. Um, and obviously in a seven game series, tendencies happen and coaches, you're obviously in the NBA. But you think about it. I mean, they can do some dangerous things with that group. Yeah, I disagree that on paper, this is a worse team than those other teams. I know a lot of people think that, and it's definitely the national media. Well, no, that's, that that's what I'm saying. Are overachieving. Yeah, I wasn't necessarily coming at you. I'm just saying, like, I don't think people realize just how good this Bucks team is. Um, I, I've seen a couple of think, tweets where you stack up the Bucks sort of one for one with the Sixers and the Raptors, and the Bucks come out a little bit further ahead than you would initially think. And that's why they've been so good this year. They're the. I saw one tweet where it was like the Bucks are so lucky they have a bunch of guys having career years, and I'm like, no, they don't. Like they have a couple of guys who are a little bit above where they've been for their careers, but like for the most part, guys are just being positioned better. I don't think anybody's playing super over their heads. No, I agree. I think that you're just seeing this talent being used better because that's really what it is when you get down to it and. I know, obviously, we've been bashing Jason Kidd all year, and I don't even know when my eyes were seeing when I saw that he could be the next Lakers coach. But, I, I mean, I just think that we got to be have, so happy that we have Mike Budenholzer <laughs> because he, he's made this all possible. And, obviously, you know, Brooke Lopez has added that spacing team. But I saw another thing. Do the Bucks have the best spacing in the NBA? Do you think? Oh, yeah. I, I don't even think it's close. Like, of the guys they play in their rotation, who's the second worst shooter? Yep. <laughs> and, and, like, that's really it, – it's probably Bledsoe, and Bledsoe's made 100 threes this year or something yeah. like that, Like, and he's attempting six a game. You know, like, yeah, his percentage isn't great, but he, <coughs> he'll take them and he'll shoot you right out of there. So, like – I don't like I I really don't think it's close. A bunch of other teams play guards that can't shoot. Bucks don't really have any of those. And Bledsoe really is turning it on lightly. I don't know how many threes he made last night, but watching it it felt like a lot. Let me pull he it. Was, up. He was he was feeling it. I he mean, he had four threes last night. I mean, when so like I'll, a couple more nights like that his percentage will tick back up there. I'll tell you when Eric Bledsoe is on the Milwaukee Bucks offense goes to a completely different stratosphere. They can, they can beat teams with him playing all right, but when he's on, wow. I mean, you can see how he can literally suck the life out of a team with some of his, like, when he hits those just threes where he's just, like, looking at you right in the face, and then he'll hit it. That's demoralizing for a team that already can't stop Giannis. So what are they supposed to do? I mean, you see Giannis going to the rim on Chasan uh, Randall yesterday. I mean, it was chi- it was childish, <laughs> that oh, one yeah. move. Like, it, it literally, you just want to yell baby in the post every time he gets a guard on him because it's just no contest. Last night, the Bucks starters made 14 threes. That's pretty heckin' good. Uh, the only guy who didn't make three threes was Brooke. Which, he will hit three threes. <laughs> He's very, very frequently of doing so it. When they're that on, you just have no chance. Like, they... they 
demolish the Wizards. And, oh, like, I, I can't even think of another team. Like, people want to say the Warriors, but the Warriors bench just doesn't have the shooters. And, I mean, realistically, their starters don't even have the shooters. Like, people want to talk up to Marcus Cousins as a floor spacer, but that's not really who he is. Draymond can't shoot. And spot for spot, they're better. Yeah. Uh, I, think at, I, I think at this point it wouldn't be crazy to say that Giannis is a better shooter than Draymond. I don't think people would agree with it, but, like, I can no. say it. What, I, I saw a tweet today. I think Giannis is shooting over 30% from three in 2019 so far. I yeah, I think it was, like, 34% or 32% or something like that. He, It's looked a lot better this year. He's shooting – I say this year when I mean this 37 days, but, yeah. yeah. I understand. Um, well, I think part of it is just, like, he's just shooting it quicker, you know, not thinking about it. And then it's that hesitation that really can, can take – a guy like Giannis who appears to be a pretty rhythm shooter uh you know if, he, if something's not right in that whole system it's not going to go right um but he seems to be kind of not thinking about it as much I wanted to ask you real quick uh did you see Nick Wright's list this morning of the seven top uh most valuable NBA assets I did and Giannis was number one yeah thoughts? I I thought his criteria was weird because it was like, well, Durant's not the most valuable. Durant's not. Durant wasn't in the top seven because Durant only had thirty days left on his contract or thirty games or the end of the year. But then Giannis was over somebody like Doncic, who has six and a half years left of control. Um, but I like it. I don't think he's wrong. I think that just the value that Giannis presents to you with two and a half years left on his contract. That's you're probably going to be one of the best teams in the NBA for those five years or two and a half years, just because of how transformative he is on both ends. As long as you don't try and put horrible players around him like Jason Kidd did, and you understand that, well, we need guys who can shoot the basketball. At least we have a reference point now where we know what not to do. Uh, but like, it, it it didn't seem that complicated. Like it seems like we should have already known that. But like. I say that, but literally every year people say, imagine LeBron with shooters around him, and they never do it. So, like. It's a crapshoot. This is all. It's just a big male, male soap opera. That's what this is. That's what today was. Yeah. Rachel Nichols on the jump letting off that extravaganza every time a trade happened. Um, so. I know you said Wayne Ellington in terms of the buyout market. I know you said that would be the only real other guy. Um, if there was a couple other piece guys that you wouldn't mind the Bucks taking a stab at, uh, do you have any? We'll have to see who actually becomes available. Um, one, there, there are some guys like in theory, if Kent Bazemore would get, I, I guess Kent Bazemore has two years left, I think. But like, there are guys who are in their last year of the contract that are getting paid a lot for bad teams. Jeremy Lin would be one guy that would be kind of interesting. I don't really think he has a place since we have George Hill, but like he's good. If he would get bought out, I would not want to see him in Philly because that would scare me a lot more. Not, not scare me. I don't want to say that Jeremy Lin would scare me, but like Jeremy Lin would be better than any of the bench players that Philly has. So like that part of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's sort of where I, that's sort of where I'm at, more or less. Is that I I don't know. Like, 
Ennis Cantor's going to get bought out. Robin Lopez is probably going to get bought out. I don't think either of them, like, they're worse players than Gasol, who I'm worried about in the playoffs. So, like, right. Why would that be bad? Are you, yeah, that's sort of where I'm at. I just want to give a quick shout out to um, the highest win percentage player in Milwaukee Bucks history, um, Stanley Johnson. Uh, although the trade was not made official, he w- it was made official in our hearts. Stanley was a member of the Bucks, and the Bucks won last night. Tied their record for most points in a quarter, too. Gosh, it was just so easy. I mean, I'll say it. The Bucks weren't. The Wizards were making a lot of shots, too. But, man, when they can score like that, Al, it's, it, there's nothing you can do. They put up more than the Warriors last night. They, it was crazy. Like, literally everything felt like it was going in. DJ Wilson had just this insane dunk where he seemingly, like, left from forever and just hung in the air like a god. It was... So was Eric Bledsoe's. That's you see that sideline angle of his tip dunk. Yeah, Oof. it's just it's just crazy. I can see why they call him Mini LeBron. Yeah, he his hops are just nice. Yeah, I mean, at this point, you you're probably trying to keep all four of these guys this off season. <laughs> I mean, that's why. I mean, we are talking about the trading deadline, so. We must talk about the salary cap that they believed of themselves for this next summer. Yeah, so they freed up Thon's money for next year. One thing that I find found kind of interesting was the idea that they could keep Miritich instead of Lopez, which like doesn't really make sense, but then you start to think about it, and you're like, well, they have bird rights on Miritich, so they can go over the cap to resign him. They don't have to use cap space. Lopez is definitely a better defender, but... Miritich is probably a better guy to catch fire off the bench and a little more versatile. I don't know who you'd get to start at center most nights, but it is interesting to think that they could, that Miritich might not be a rental. I think that we should proceed with the thought that he will be, but I think, I think there's a chance he might not be. The bird right thing is big, I think, because depending on what kind of bind they could get themselves in this summer, I mean, because what's the, and I'm not sure if you know this, so I don't want to put you on the spot, but what is like the deadline for the Bucks? Can they bring him back no matter what, like whenever, or is there like announced where you have to renounce the bird rights or whatever, like a qualifying offer? Is it complete, you know, they would have to, they would have to renounce his bird rights. There isn't like a qualifying offer or anything. They would have to renounce his bird rights probably to sign Brooke Lopez. But otherwise, they could hold on to him until if he signs with another team, his bird rights just disappear. So okay, but but if he says I want to come back to Milwaukee, we have availability to keep him at the to go over the cap. Over the cap. Him, yeah. Okay, it's interesting. Well, it's an interesting ploy in the whole thing. Um, so the Bucks will face off against the number two man on Nick Wright's best asset list, Luka Doncic, um, tomorrow. And then we'll have another game right after that uh, hosting the Magic. Magic. So another two set of winnable games. Um, expecting probably wins from that. Uh, I know we didn't really talk a lot about about the Wizards last night. Um, it's the so, middle of the – some games you just don't want to talk about. Like some games, they're just the Bucks were really good. 
that's it. Let's move on. Because like, there was no really before. overarching theme. No. That uh, like, it's not like Bradley Beal went off. Like, all the guys that scored on the Wizards kind of felt like they were scoring because the Bucks didn't care. The Bucks scored 148. Like, I don't really know. <laughs> How the much Wizards weren't going to score 148, so it was basically over right. very, very early. I, I just want to run through the games before the All-Star break. They got the Mavericks and the Magic on a back-to-back this weekend. If they don't drop one of those games on a back-to-back, they should roll the Bulls Monday night. Then their last game before the break is Wednesday against the Pacers. It's in Indiana. Indiana, they, they probably got better with signing Wes Matthews, but really they stood pat at the deadline since Victor got injured. They could win all four of these games. They can match their win total from last year before the All-Star break. I think they'll drop one of them just because they're kind of due for a let down. They've won how many games in a row now? Was it? It's, they've won five. They've won since OKC. Yeah, they've won every game since the OKC game, so that's another five-game winning streak. You know, eventually they're going to lose a game, probably. But uh, <laughs> Probably. I would hate to be the person to bet which game they're going to lose, though. Yeah, I, I couldn't, like, literally, I think the Pacers game is probably the most likely, but I don't really even think that's that likely. That would put the back-to-back streak in jeopardy with the Celtics being their first game back after the oh, deadline. That's very true. Um, I don't know if you'd even consider it back-to-back with an eight-day layover. Think, but I think you'd have to. Yeah. Kind of sad. But it's not going to happen. Anyways, um, tonight Giannis is going to be making his selections for the All-Star game. Um, anyone you'd like to see Giannis take? Um, Curry. That's it. I just I love seeing Giannis with dynamic floor spacers. I want Giannis to take Chris. Um, don't really care about anybody else. Do you have a Do you have a choice on the veteran? I can almost guarantee that Dwayne Wade is going to be on Team LeBron. So I guess we're stuck with Dirk Nowitzki. Oh uh, God! God for well, that's the maybe the two best bucks of all time. <laughs> you know, two of the top five of all time. Yeah, right. Oh, that's, that's something. Yeah, I mean, it, if you wrap your head around it, it's very scary. You have to, you know, buckle yourself up and make sure you're in a safe place, like Al is right now, so everything is fine. Um, but anyway, anything else you want to touch on? Um, I think it's criminal that Brooke didn't get into the three-point contest. I'm glad oh, yeah. that he gets to actually take a vacation. Um, one other thing that bothers me a little bit, Chris is not a good three-point contest type guy. Uh, I, I might be saying that, and then he'll come out and win it this year, but he's he's his release isn't that quick, and he's not that really pure of a knockdown shooter. He's more of a shot maker where he's good with guys close to him. I actually think percentage-wise, he shoots better when there's a fender somewhat near him. Uh, so I think Chris is going to embarrass himself in the three-point contest again, and that's my biggest take for All-Star Weekend. Do you think Brooke could win it? No, I think Brooke's too slow, too, but it'd be more, way more fun. Yeah, Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> like, when you watch Brooke do warm-ups before games, which is he's the last guy that does warm-ups, so you can usually catch him if you get there an hour before tip-off or 50 minutes before tip-off or whatever. Um he, he'll he'll get in hot stretches where he'll make 10 in a row from way outside the arc. So I think it's possible. Who do you think would get around the, the arc faster? Brooke Lopez or Dirk Nowitzki? 
I think Brooke would. I do think Brooke's release is probably it's probably at least comparably fast, and I think Brooke moves foot speed wise better at this point. But I yeah. Dirk looks like Dirk, Dirk looks like he's hurting out there, man. Yeah, it's it should be his last year. I don't know if it will be, but <laughs> yeah, he said it would be right. I think so. I mean, I think everyone's assuming so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just like I mean, has Vince Carter said that this is his last year? No, I think he said he wants to play one more year. Tom, damn Tom Brady out there, minus yeah. championships. Jason Terry said he wanted to play one more year, though, and sometimes it just doesn't happen. They should have it like uh, baseball, where you can add like a couple guys, your guys, to your roster in the playoffs, so you can add like a Jet. You know how they do that? Yeah. No, it's, it's or no, for September, September. But well, that would be kind of trash. I don't know if I would like it, <laughs> but anyways, I think we're right. getting too far off now. Yeah, we are. All right. Well, if you don't have anything else, I want to thank you all for listening to this edition of the Cream City Cast. This is our trade deadline episode. Um, we will come back to you on Sunday, and we'll do a two-game recap of the Bucks weekend uh, in totality. Um like I said, I was your host today, Dylan Piccolo. You can follow me on Twitter at DP double underscore hoops. I was joined by Alexander Juno, uh, Cream City Central's uh, editor-in-chief at junesfishes.com. Like he said, 40 tweets a day of just 75% greatness. Um, <laughs> like I said, always check out the stuff on creamcitycentral.com. Please rate and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. And you can check out our SoundCloud page as well. All right, Al. Thank you very much. Peace out and go Bucks.